Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Echo Podcast. The Echo Podcast is a brand new initiative under the Echo, Shanghai American School's independent student-led newspaper. The podcast is part of a new initiative to share thoughts, opinions, and perspectives on difficult issues that surround us. Today's episode will be led by myself, Connor Chen, and Richard Lee. Our first topic will be on standardized testing. It is one of the most difficult issues that surrounds us as students. It is something that is mentally draining and forces us to be defined by numerical value. The SAT is obviously very important to students at our school, as it's a major factor in college admissions. Students feel immense internal and external pressure to do well,、um, such as from parents、um, and from the competitive culture that generally exists here at our school.、Um, this causes many parents and underclassmen to start preparing for the SAT very early on and pour money and effort into test prep. Such as through hiring agencies or even taking PSAT prep classes. At the same time, the school seeks to support students through this journey, and we hear from school counselors that we should contextualize the SAT in terms of a holistic admissions process to prevent students from fixating on a single score. In this episode, we'll explore this topic by firstly examining the facts of testing and test prep centers. Secondly, the effect that it has had on students here at SAS. And lastly, we'll give our sub,、um, distinct individual and subjective opinions towards how future students and parents should approach test prep. Let's start off with some statistics. If we look at the college profile of the class of 2021, we can see that the SAS has incredibly competitive standardized testing scores. For the mid 50% of the class of 2020, the SAT composite average was from 1350 to 1510. These scores are incredibly high. These are scores that only the 99th percentile are able to reach, and this obviously adds a lot of pressure to upcoming students. The same can be said about the ACT, where the composite average for the middle 50% of the class of 2020 are is are scores between 26 to 34. This again reaches to the upper limit of the 99th percentile. This adds a lot of stress for upcoming students as well. And note that this is only the mid 50%, right? Obviously, students want to see themselves as the best of the class. They want to see themselves as the top of the class. And obviously, if this is the mid fifty percent scores, obviously we have a lot of students reaching for the fifteen eighties, fifteen nineties out of the sixteen hundred. Obviously, this adds a lot of added stress, a lot of added burden for many of our competitive individuals within our school community. A very interesting element of standardized testing, and that's pretty much exclusive to SAS, is the idea that people need to take the test only once and finish the test by the beginning of their junior year. While this is a very optimal scenario to not worry about your standardized test scores after a single attempt, this is a very unrealistic goal that just adds so much burden. And as we will find out today by talking to Miss Locke, the director of college counseling, Mr. Menton, a very experienced college counselor at SAS, and Mr. Delane, a very great counselor we have here at SAS, a lot of these thoughts, a lot of these preconceptions can be really nothing further from the truth. So before we play some of the clips from the people we interviewed, I think it's very important to contextualize the sort of environment we're talking about. And basically, this is an environment where a lot of students opt to take SAT prep courses and oftentimes spend entire summers working through, let's say, mock tests or practice exercises. And I think Richard has an anecdote to share with us about his experience、uh, with such organizations that manage、uh, test prep. Yeah. So I was actually one of the people that did not. They opted not to use、um, Tesla Center to prepare for the SAT,、um, but my parents were definitely people that were very convinced by the Tesla Centers and wanted to sign me up. And so, one of the experiences I had with Tesla Centers was that one tutoring organization basically threatened that 
if you like sort of didn't try out a few classes with the with the test prep center that you would never get to this score or you would never get to this you know score that other um people that have taken these test prep course, courses have and um this was really like you know it was a lot like a scare tactic and even though i ultimately made a decision to not use any paid prep test courses it was a really hard decision and there were a lot of external pressures coming in that sort of tried to blind the parents and students from really seeing the full truth of what test prep centers can do. Yeah, we also uh, was able to send out a survey. Uh, we sent this out to all of the high school. We were able to get, I think, quite a few, uh, slightly around 10%. And I think most people did reveal that they worked with a test prep agency, which is like a pretty common thing here at SAS. And uh, a lot of people actually chose not to work with them as well. Yeah, so one of the people that we interviewed um, was Miss Locke, um, who is the director of the college counseling here at SAS. And she actually shared a very interesting story about sort of the prevalence of types of centers here at SAS. So we just, just want to uh, play that clip. So when I started at SAS this fall, um, we started online and I started with my anchor group, which is all composed of 11th grade students. And of my 10 11th grade anchor group students, I think eight of them spent most of the summer prepping for the SAT and they came back to school feeling like they really hadn't had a break because they'd gone from online school to test prep back to school. Yeah, so this is like a pretty typical example, like the conversations that you see at SES, right? And I think Ms. Locke mentioned an important point, which is that a lot of people feel like they didn't really have a summer break. And I think in many ways, the SAT prep can feel like a whole other school because oftentimes you're at the center, you know, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, yeah, yeah. you're doing multiple practice exams in a single week. And it's very stressful, too, because you want to see consistent growth. And because the emphasis placed on there by like the people who run the organizations or even by parents or like people or your classmates, obviously you want to improve and raise your scores. And when you're doing it so much, oftentimes your score doesn't improve. And that's not because you're not becoming a better test taker. That's just because you're too fatigued from doing a test every single day. And I think because of like the profit oriented mindset that mm -hmm. a lot of these organizations have, they oftentimes exclude this part from telling you that you know, overdoing it too much might actually have a negative consequence as well. Yeah. And, yeah, oh. and I would just say, like, in my experience, when I'm taking a mock test, if I do take a break, like, maybe two or three days between each one of the mock tests, my average performance is significantly better. Yeah, and just tying on sort of profit-driven aspect of these test dependencies, um, we do want to touch about, like, this very serious topic um, that some test proficiencies do do. Um, we have... You know, most people in our grade have heard consistent rumors from people around us about a few specific test proficiencies um, finding possible passages that might, might that might appear on the test in advance and letting prep center students pre-read them sort of to gain an unfair advantage over other students. And um, when we were interviewing Mr. Menton, um, who is another um, great college counselor here at SAS, um, he really talked about this and we have a quote to share from that interview. Also, preparation by the test companies, which is one actually illegal and illegitimate that does go on as well within within the community. And that is where previous examples of the tests have been stolen by companies and then are provided to students and families where what's happening is not that students are preparing on the style of test questions that are being given but are actually being exposed to actual test questions that they may see later on the test. 
And so uh, unfortunately, that has been going on probably also for about 12 or 15 years, I would say. There's been an ability for companies uh, to do the small fish bite approach where um, they hire individuals at different test sites to remember test questions and remember answers. And they use that information to gather it together and then sell it to, to companies. Um, so that's another thing that's going on, which is not really preparation per se, it's cheating. And I think this is like, at the very least, extremely morally questionable, right? I think this is literally, as Mr. Menton quotes, like cheating. And obviously this is very unfair for students who oftentimes don't get access to such advantages or students just choose to prep themselves. And note that all of these prep centers are incredibly expensive, right? And especially for much of the middle class in America who actually depend on this test for college admissions, I do think it's quite unfair, especially when, you know, if a student uses a service that they're dragging the percentile or the average score upwards, meaning that they're actually at a disadvantage overall. So going back to the survey that we conducted, we do want to touch um, upon the sort of objective um, benefits that test prep centers bring to sort of people's test scores. And because, um, because it is true that if test prep is done through legal means, people do gain results, um, like it or not, right? It's be, and be, maybe, be, maybe it, it is at the end of being taken advantage of by this like business model of Tetra centers, um, and maybe not, but through these, um, through these um, sort of methods that Tetra centers use, um, people do gain advantages in their test scores. We also had the opportunity to talk to our grade level guidance counselor, Mr. Delane. And he talked about uh, his nephew in the States, right? And I think Mr. Delane at first was very shocked about the culture surrounding SAT here. But he mentioned how like he would just talking to his siblings and wishing that his nephews actually would be able to take some sort of SAT prep class because he recognizes that there's like a very distinct advantage in doing so and that it's biased towards those who actually prepare. And, you know, obviously this is true for any test that preparing will help. But in so far as like there's a third party service doing it, then it becomes somewhat of a morally ambiguous case. And obviously because some people are doing it, that will always influence other people to continue and offer these services, resulting in, I would argue, a very vicious cycle. Yeah, and this cycle not just, you know, inflates test scores, which um could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Um it also significantly impacts you know, the collective mental health of our student population. So from our survey results, we do want to read out one of the few interesting results that we discovered. So there was actually a correlation. Um, so, so just to give some context, we had um, one of the two, uh, two of the questions that we had were, did you work with the test agency while taking SAT? And the other um, was the degree to which the SAT sort of affected your mental health negatively. And we saw that there was a correlation between answering yes for do you use Tesla Center and negative mental health uh, impact ratings, especially those, um, you know, between the eight and 10 ranges. So uh, out of 10, which were like the most ne negative impacts on mental health. And I think it's very hard to stop this, right? Because people who haven't taken the SAT are obviously, you know, swept into this mess of like high stress and trying to get the highest score they can. And it's understandable, right? Everybody wants to be incredibly competitive for university admissions. And obviously SAT is a part of that. So I think 
particularly for figures like Mr. Delane, and he mentioned this in our interview, it's very difficult for him to give very sound advice, right? I think the typical mental health advice about focusing on yourself and taking mm -hmm. mental breaks when necessary obviously always applies. But then again, this is a very high octane mix of, I would say, external and internal pressure. External from parents, but also internal from you know, people in our school with a very high desire to be the best versions of themselves. And while this could be good, and I think it is really great that people want to be the best version of themselves, the SAT is a very good example when this oftentimes might work against them. So we just want to play another interesting um, segment that, that we had from our interview with um, Ms. Locke. Someone, I think adults have to, um, adults meaning parents have to say, this. it's not true. I don't want my child going through three more months or six more months of test prep. And we know that this isn't true. So we're going, we're happy with the, the really outstanding score that my child has already earned. You know, once you get above a certain level, particularly above a 1490, 1500 level in the SAT, those 10 or 20 points don't make a huge difference in university admission. It's you're already at a particular level. So obviously that was um, a subjective opinion, but the objective part that we can, um, you know, get from that is that marginal improvements to an SAT score are not helpful. So hypothetically, you get a pretty competitive score, like Ms. Locke mentioned, maybe in the upper 1400s or somewhere in the 1500s. And you think that this is not too high, and then you want to push for an extra 20 and 30 points. And obviously, this 20 and 30 points will take you a lot of time. You need to do a lot of mock tests, and you need to get back into that sort of testing mindset. And besides taking away from time to study, you know, and this might sound very absurd to some people, but actually takes away from your free time, right? <laughs> Which is something that you need to value yeah. more and more as you get older, because quite simply, there's just more things you need to do, right? And this is all coming from a very, very experienced college counselor and the director of college counseling herself, Ms. Luck. To end this interview, I feel like we can just give some advice for every single individual who is currently considering taking the SAT or doing something related to standardized test prep, right? And I think the biggest one is to try the ACT. The people aren't very open to that, but I think it's a very nice alternative, especially for stronger STEM students. And I think there's going to be a very nice environment there if you enjoy ACT more than SAT. Yeah, uh, we also want to give sort of um, links to resources that uh, I do feel like more people should use. I used all these resources when I was preparing for the SAT myself. And you know, all, these, all of these are free and online. So there's Khan Academy, um, which is a great resource for just free SE practice. And they actually collaborate with College Board um, in making their questions and it's just really helpful. Also, Soli is a YouTuber um, who basically has like walkthroughs of all the previous SAT passages and that you can find online for reading and writing. Um, and also the College Board themselves have provided a practice test for anyone to take before the SAT to sort of um, sort of like, you know, get a sense of where they're scoring. And also Reddit, um, which is an internet forum online, has very sort of extremely helpful resources that people share, and it's definitely worth checking out. And I think like most things we encounter in life, there's obviously ups and downs to things like test prep agencies, right? And I think ultimately they are organizations that provide a lot of utility, especially in learning things like test taking skills. Obviously, it is up to you to make the decision to like weigh the costs and benefits of doing such things because this is a very extremely time consuming process. And sometimes if you have other activities or sometimes if the reward is even greater for not doing and not spending this cost, 
then obviously this is a decision you have to make. And I think an advice that we should give is that you should not really consider what others are doing, rather just focus on yourself mm -hmm. and do your own thing, like Richard did. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so I was, as I mentioned previously, I was one of the people that did not opt to use Texas Hunter. And I think that um, really from my experience, it has been a really sort of, you know, it was a big learning process. I had to sort of make timelines and plans for myself to prepare and have like a study schedule and organize all that by myself. And I think that objectively, if you really wish to improve your score by many hundreds of points, Tesla centers will definitely help you. That's an objective fact. But um, I think that if it's not that big of a deal that you're looking for, you know, not that big of an improvement, I think that going purely by online resources is a very underestimated sort of undervalued um, undervalued um, option here at SAS, and I think that it should definitely be encouraged more. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Echo Podcast. This has been Connor and Richard talking about standardized testing here at Shanghai American School. And as we end today's podcast, we want to share a quote from Mr. Delane. And I think this quote effectively summarizes how we should approach the environment around us, not just in the context of standardized testing, but about uncomfortable elements of our culture that we really need to have conversations about. So I think these conversations are really important because if we don't start like analyzing our thoughts, like some of you are full IB students, some of you and are or most of you are IB and AP students. So I should just say that I'm like probably like 100% of y'all take an IB or AP yeah. course actually. So um, so when it comes to that, like those courses, those college level courses, and life in general is about being able to examine and reflect your thoughts um, and beliefs and try to find those solutions because they're not necessarily readily apparent, mm -hmm. right? It takes these conversations to start changing minds and changing hearts. So I'm just really happy and honored to have the conversation because I think there's a lot to it.